0: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Demonland podcast. Uh, my name is Andy, and joining me again this week, uh, Grape Viney. Good evening, Great Viney. How are you? I'm excellent, uh, Andy. Thank you. Ah, well, uh, despite the Ds uh, having a bye, it's been a big week at Demonland, uh, with the announcement of a new CEO in Gary Pert uh, to replace the retiring Peter Jackson uh, in October. And uh, also with the announcement that the D's will be seeking a new home, a new training base uh, and a new admin facility in the heart of the MCG precinct. And we'll be talking about all that and more later tonight. Shortly, we're going to be joined by former Melbourne Football Club captain Brad Green. And I'm really looking forward to that. How about you?
1: Yeah, for sure. Greeny had a great career. Uh, Started off... um, Probably with the highest of highs and finished uh, a bit lower, given where we were when he eventually bowed out. But uh, uh, he was a great player over a long time, wasn't he?
0: Yeah, really loved, uh, really loved uh, everything that he did for the club. Uh, he was really exciting when he came in, and uh, you know, great player for the club. Uh, I think he sits seventh on the highest uh, games list, um, you know, for the club, and uh, that's you know, got to be respected. Um, Yeah.
1: Also a skipper. So yeah, um, exactly. That uh, that has its own gloss to it.
0: It definitely does. Um, And but before we uh, we go, we're going to just chat for a little bit uh, before we get Brad on the phone. Um, uh, New CEO Gary Pert. That must have come as a surprise uh, to you. I certainly wasn't. I I don't know. For me, I wasn't expecting a big name to sort of come in. Um, I think. I my money was on. I thought they'd go, um, you know, in house. I thought uh, it might have been Marnie, uh, but Josh Marnie. But yeah, well, was uh, pleasantly surprised, and I'm I'm quite quite happy to go with someone who's got um, I don't know if the word a bit of gravitas behind him or you know the experience, but uh, I think maybe that's what we need. Uh, your thoughts?
1: Uh, well, there's no doubt that Pert's got that in the same way that Peter Jackson does. They're both long-standing administrators yeah. uh, in the caper. So um, you know, Pert comes with the big club experience that you have uh, at Collingwood. Um, now, we're a bit different to that, so he's going to need to adjust. But uh, he was able to grow their membership base considerably, um, whether that was through Tricks such as pet memberships and things like that. I don't know, but we'd want to be doing the same. And uh, he also developed facilities at uh, Collingwood, which, um, uh, as he mentioned, and we'll talk about a bit later, we're um, about to commence ourselves. So uh, well, it's a it's a good acquisition.
0: I think that's uh, that experience uh, with um, you know he was there at Collingwood uh, in the Lexus Centre. I think it's the Holden Centre now. Um and that's definitely going to help us if we're to get a base uh, look we'll talk about our base a bit later on whether that's going to get through or has any chance of getting through but uh we're, we're definitely looking for a new home and having someone who's had that experience is definitely going to help us and um do you do you have any concerns with uh I mean we don't even know the whole story of uh of how it all happened. But are you concerned at all with the fact that um, when Peter had announced uh, that he was going to be um, retiring, um, that he was going to have a hand in the, the, the I don't know if it was going to be a hand in choosing a successor. Um, it sounded that way, I think, but it, it, it seems from what we've heard that, um, and I won't say it doesn't sound like the board went behind his back, but it, it sounds like it was a board appointment and, um, from what I've read, maybe Peter didn't have a hand in it, but I can't see how that could be.
1: Yeah, it's hard to know. We no. don't know the process. But um, I don't think there's really any resentment anywhere. If uh, if anything, the strangest thing to me is that he groomed three internal candidates to go up against one another. Um, that, seems, that could be potentially um you know disharmonious for the workplace in that if one gets and the other two miss but uh, all three have missed in this uh, instance. i but, don't think uh,
0: i don't think that's strange in a workplace no. environment though that uh, people go up against each other for, no, for you're a role right. You're right. Yep. i'm sure that happens quite a lot uh, in business i know i've been for you know up for jobs where other people within the organization have also gone for it so um it, yeah. It's certainly nothing yeah. new. Um, I, I hope there isn't any bad blood between anyone, and you know, I hope we don't lose any of the talent as a result of this. And I'm not suggesting we will. And you know. that
1: that journo, Tom Morris, he was on on the couch uh, on Monday night, and he said he'd been talking to people in the club and outside of the club, and there was bad blood, and people were going to withdraw money. And then a second later, he said, "But if I was you, if." Uh, Uh, For all the Demon fans out there, don't be worried. It uh, doesn't look like any of this is going to eventuate. And it's like, well, what kind of a story is that? So saying on the one hand that there was uh, all this acrimony behind the scenes and then dismissing it um, out of hand a moment later. Yeah, I think if there'd been real dissent, we would have known about it by now. Um, There's been these mutterings in the background, barely, um, so I, I don't think there is any, any bad blood there.
0: Well, look, I, I think a few journos sort of jumped the gun a bit uh, at the beginning with, um, you know, I, I think the story broke, I think, in The Australian. And I think there were a few um, reporters who had, and the majority of them had no idea and they sort of were sort of. I think they were struggling to try and find a story out of it, and were probably just looking at uh, the fact that uh, Peter Jackson had said uh, you know he did want a hand in it, and I think they were just uh, find trying to find a story where none existed as um, as a lot of journalists sometimes do
1: well, when you get beaten on a story like that, you have to find uh, you have to find a fresh angle to it. Um, no one wants to um, just rewrite what the competition has broken exclusively, so you've got to add your own little sauce to it um, or embellishment. And so, yeah, as as you say, they're sort of scratching around for a a new
0: angle to it. All right, well, maybe we can uh, revisit that a little bit later on. Uh, We're just going to take a short little break now. Um, You'll probably be hearing either um, our interview with Ruzi or um, the 2000 qualifying final. Uh, against uh, the Blues uh, while we get Brad on the phone but uh, when we come back uh, we'll have Brad Green stay tuned
2: Swartz might go to the square No, he goes for the pass and it's good to Green he's closer to goal this time but
0: Steve feet is away then running down towards half forward they need some marking forwards Green has been the best of them
2: and he's marked it again well he been... he stands with a margin at 15 and now it's reduced what Comes out to
0: Bruce, he's over the ball. Green, surrounded. Very slick. Mansfield kicks into a teammate this time. It comes back to Green, he snaps at his fourth. But I think he's got it. Four since half-time.
1: Our guest tonight kicked 350 goals in 254 games with the Demons over 12 seasons, making his debut in early 2000. His career got off to a flying start, and he lived out every boy's dream later that season when he virtually won a final off his own boot against the Blues. He kicked 55 goals during a stellar 2010 year, uh, a season in which he won the Keith Bluey Truscott Trophy as the club's best and fairest. He captained the Demons the following year. I'm talking, uh, of course, about Brad Green. Greeny, welcome to the Demonland podcast. Good evening. How are you going, guys?
0: Yeah, we're good, uh, Brad. Uh, Brad, it, it was a career with um, many highs and a few lows thrown in there too. Uh, let's start with one of the real high points, uh, at least in our eyes as supporters, what we just heard now, the qualifying final against Carlton in your debut year. Uh, the game looked lost at three-quarter time. Uh, take us through that final quarter and you know describe the emotions of uh, your experience as it unfolded.
2: Yeah, it's a, it was a bit of a um a whirlwind. I still remember sort of making my debut in uh was round two, um in two thousand against the Kangas on, on Friday night footy. If you remember round one, I think we got beaten by Richmond, I think it was round one, um that year and you know, going throughout the year you you're you're nervous in keeping your spot. Back then don't worry, about ninety rotations, let alone twenty. So I was sat on the bench quite a fair bit for Dallas. Um and it was the same in that Colton final. I, I, I don't remember really playing much of the first half of that game, and um, coming on in the second half trying to to stem the flow in in, uh, in certainly a big game for for the footy club. And um, yeah, it was it was a bit uh, a bit surreal in in the way it's all happened. And um, you know, you think back on on what you sort of um, did on the day, and and you really think, geez, um, it was a, it was a bit of a fluke, really. I couldn't couldn't imagine doing it again and trying to do it again, but it was an amazing day. Um, I still remember um, going into the last quarter, the noise of, you know, so I remember 75 there, and it was, was certainly louder than grand final day. So, um, yeah, it was, it was fond memories and certainly something that I cherish and, and one of the games that you look back upon on, on, over your career and go, um, you know, you can certainly um, think, think back on it was one of the true games that um, you had a big impact in. Yeah. Um. Uh, Cameron Bruce was the other star that
1: day. Um, your careers obviously um, sort of, well, took place over the same period. And from that afternoon, at least in supporters' eyes, you were basically intertwined um, sort of ever since. Were you good mates off the field? Um, uh, and uh, how was it sort of going, having your careers going through together like that? Yeah,
2: we were. Well, we are and we were. Um well, both in each other's bridal party at each, uh, at each other's wedding. So, yeah, we're great mates and still great mates um, today. But, you know, getting drafted in the same year um, as Cam and sort of, you know, socialising, um, playing golf and, and sort of coming through at the, the same time, um, yeah, and, and playing in the same side and sort of in the same area. Well, yeah, we're great mates and still great mates today. So um, it's it's even more special when you can, and um, you know, cherish those moments with, with close friends.
1: Yep. Uh, We've asked the same question of uh, Jeff White and Robbo. What were your expectations going into the grand final that year? Uh, Did you think we were a realistic chance of knocking off um, the Bombers who were almost undefeated? Uh, Yeah,
2: I've been a brash 18 year old thinking that, you know, he's made a good AFL footy. I've made a grand (laughs) final my first year. I thought we could um, beat King Kong that day. Didn't matter who we were coming up against. I thought we could. Take the game out. You know, when you're looking, um, I still remember. I think it was round eleven, round twelve, when Carlton beat us by 120 odd points um, that year in t- 2000, and we we didn't lose a game. And when you're looking at um, going going through a season, you know, we'd certainly down in certain stages towards the end of the year, and we'd get back up and and, and win. But certainly the Bombers, when you look back at their side and the, the names that they had, um, all superstars in their side, but we were, we were still confident am um, very confident going into the game, but um, it was 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 a bit of a uh, bit of a kick kick down when you you see the end result. There's no doubt about that. It was a bad loss in the end, but certainly confident going into the day. Yeah,
0: it, it was a bit of a dirty day all round. It's <laughs> it's it all and it almost became life threatening uh, day for you. Uh, ah. You copped a nasty whack in the throat in the first quarter. Um, is it true that you couldn't breathe because of the swelling and uh, you had to be put on oxygen?
2: Yeah, so what happened, people keep um, thinking it was uh, basically the Dean Wallace punch in the, in the face that, um, that did it, but that didn't actually hurt me. It was the first bounce of the day. Um, While he hit, hit the tap, um, I came come off the center forward and was charging. Dean Wallace picked the ball up, and he raised his, raised his elbow to sort of fend me, and his elbow went straight into my larynx. And throughout the first quarter... Um, it started swelling and started sort of compressing together. And quarter time I said to the doc, I, I can't breathe. And they sent me down to the change rooms and, and put me on oxygen. And basically they were ready to do a trackie. So they were ready to wow. punch a hole in the throat to release. And um, ended up in hospital that night. But, um, yeah, it was sort of fine in a couple of days after that. But, um, yeah, it wasn't a nice way to sort of end your, your grand final day only playing <laughs> a quarter. But, um, yeah, it was, um, it was one of those things that happens in footy.
1: After making uh, the granny um, in your first year, did you think that the team was headed for a, a sustained period of success, considering the other drafters that had come through with you, such as uh, such as Cam and Matty Whelan and, and others?
2: Yeah, I, I I I really thought you know, and we, we probably the side that we had was certainly that wasn't the most talented side during that sort of two thousand two thousand five period, but we'll. The cohesion um, and the gel that we had, and the, the makeshift that we had for each other, was was certainly um, terrific bond. Um, and we, you know, we went on a bit of a roller coaster there for a number of years, up and down, up and down. And that consistency wasn't good enough, and and that probably we uh, got overwhelmed by Tarn in the end. But for a number of years, we'll we we'll sort of hedge in top four for most of the year, and then we we'll always lose a couple of crucial games um, towards the end of the year, which which sort of knocked us down a couple of pegs. But, you know, I thought we we were always confident um, and never threatened by a lot of sides. But, you know, back then there were some amazing teams. You look back at the Essamans and the Brisbans when they went through um, their three-peat. Certainly strong sides coming coming through. And, um, yeah, we thought we were good enough at different stages, but certainly in the end we probably weren't consistent enough.
0: Um, Brad, it must have been... uh Fun playing in that forward line with uh, Nita, Schwartz, the Wiz, Robbo, Bruce, and yourself. Uh, there was quite a bit of talent in there.
2: Yeah, there was. Um, when you're looking at playing um, against the Wiz, you don't know what he was going to do every every game you played. But what an exceptional talent! You know, uh, it was amazing playing alongside him. Robbo, you didn't know if Robbo was going to sit on your head or um, <laughs> knee in the back. And, and same with Nita. I, you know, played a lot of. Footy with Nader next to him, and um, yeah, playing with those, and even you know, Schwarter, Cam Bruce, it um, was certainly a, a multi talented forward line that you know we, we look to challenge um, our opponents. But yeah, great fun, we had great fun playing that down there, and I was certainly talented.
1: Yeah, uh, You played a lot of footy in the midfield as well as uh, spending a lot of time up forward. Everyone loves kicking a goal, of course. Um, what was your preference if you had one?
2: Um, I used to, basically I reckon through the period of that 06 to certainly 2011, I reckon I was basically 50-50 of going sort of midfield wing forward and I loved the flexibility that I that um, we had during that and, um, yeah, I, I certainly enjoyed getting up the ground because it can be a bit of a groundhog day in the forward line, um, you know, tough conditions, not getting a kick, getting up around the ball, Um, Trying to trying to work it that way, getting back in defence, taking marks, and being doing what you can, getting around stoppages. So I preferred sort of you know the fifty-fifty split um, of both playing sort of midfield and forward, um, which was good.
0: Uh, Brad, you had a pretty good conversion uh, rate, uh, you know, in front of goal. Uh, Is that something you'd always been part of your game, or did you have to work on on that to become a sharpshooter?
2: It was something I was certainly always worked on. Um, I would, you know, have oh, 100 shots a week at training. Um, you know, even on my day off, I'd go down to my local um, ground and, and still practice kicking. So it was something you certainly had to work on, but it's certainly something that hasn't changed in modern footy. Um, you get frustrated why they can't kick straight and different things, and there's all different circumstances why they can't. But, um, yeah, I, I believe it was always, it's, a, it's a massive mind thing goal-kicking. It's, it's a fair bit mental. Yeah, you got to have good technique and, and ability to, to kick fairly well, but um, if you can get the mind right, and I was always confident no matter where I was inside 50, that I could kick it. And that it's half a better life. Yeah. Uh,
1: another feature of your game, um, especially uh, playing up forward in later seasons, saw you risking life and limb by backing into packs uh, or holding your ground as a defender uh, came flying at you from behind. During those moments, do you ever think to yourself, I'm in trouble here, this is this is going to hurt?
2: No, I, I, I used to always think, the moment I think that is when I probably did get hurt. <laughs> um, the, the, uh, the moments where you think that you're just going to go for this ball, and, you know, it, it would end up that you, you'll find majority of the time. And, um, and deep down, um, you always wanted to do that and be seen to be um, setting the scene and, and doing... Um, the tough things when they need to be done. And, and certainly that was one feature of my game that I pride myself to be able to go back with a slide of the ball um, and take a strong contested mark. So you don't want to let people down by um, not doing that. And I always had that in my back of my mind that if I was going to go, I was fully committed to, to going. Yeah.
0: You were uh, you were given the captaincy in 2011 after James McDonald retired, and you've described being named captain as a surreal experience. Uh, what did you mean by that? And looking back, uh, what did it mean for you to lead the oldest footy club in the world?
2: Yeah, it was certainly a great honour. Um, I think surreal for meaning for me is you never go into any footy club thinking that one day you're going to captain. You, know, you, go, you go through early stages in career and you want to get picked, and then you want to. You know, staying aside and, um, captaincy was certainly one that wasn't a big aspiration of mine. And then you eventually get into the leadership group, you start setting the scene and, um, you're working your way up. And then all of a sudden, um, the captaincy sort of, you know, I was an elder state and with a young side and, um, you know, basically I've been trying to change who I was. Um, a lot of it was leading by example, but, um, trying to teach the young guys, you know, the, the standards of, of training, um, being, you know, uh, uh, trying to create a great culture that would sustain uh, for a long period of time and that's all I meant by that um, because it shouldn't change the person that you are, Um, it just means you've got to do
1: a few more things. (laughs) Uh, Greeny, after playing finals regularly in the early part of your career, uh, Dark Days came to the club after Neil Danaher finished up. Um, how hard was it during those times, especially, you know, in your final season when uh, virtually all hope had sort of been extinguished?
2: Yeah, there were certainly some some trying moments. Um, The club was going through um, different stages um, where, you know, I was coming towards the end and we were trying to win as many games as possible and um, we butted heads a little bit during all that trying period. And, yeah, it was certainly, I think, you know, supporters felt it, players felt it, admin people felt it. We all felt it that it, it was um, wasn't a great period in in our career. And but I, I felt, you know, when Dean came in, Dean came in, at, you know, started our 08. Um, I like, yeah, I liked when he did. I thought. Oh seven, I think yeah. 07 was his first year. Um, yeah. I thought Bales was certainly after Neil. I thought Bales was a terrific coach. I thought seriously that he was. Um, he was ahead of the game in the way he, he, you know, he taught us offence. People thought he, that he didn't teach us defence. But he wanted to create, um, one, um, a brand of footy that would bring supporters to the game. Two, um, uh, be an exciting side. Um, and when we had players like Liam Jarrah and Austin Wanamiri and Aaron Davey, um, you know, I still remember, the game, and the game, if you remember that, by 80 odd points, um, and it was certainly a really young side and we are playing terrific footy. And, you know, to see him get sacked was certainly hard to deal with. Um, so through that period, I thought we were building something. Um, and I reckon that was one of the worst decisions the club could have ever made was getting rid of Dean Bailey. There's no doubt in my mind that he, he was the right man to take the club, you know, to its next premiership. And in the end, um, it's sort of unfortunately. Um he's still not here with us but it was certainly a, a poor um, decision by the club getting rid of him there's no doubt about that and yeah it was dark days you know my last year of footy um, under under Mark Newell which wasn't great um, and you know it was probably the right circumstances that I had to s- sort of step away really and let the club sort of go in a new direction a new future really um, that's sort of how it panned out and, and um, yeah sort of you you would love to leave Shane Crawford in, in 08 and, and walk away with a flag, but it was it, it wasn't my time, and it was um, something um, that you can say that it was it was the right time to step away and, and let someone else take over and, and sort of take it in a new direction.
0: Brad was what is it? Was it a kick in the guts when Mark Neil came in and replaced you as captain, or is that just one you have to cop on the chin and move on?
2: Um. No, I wasn't a kick in the So I, I questioned why we were putting a couple of um, young kids into a position of of certainly um, those roles. Um, I asked the process on, on how they did it. I questioned that. Um, but it was certainly, there was no disappointment. I was full support behind Grimesy and is There's no doubt um, I was right behind them. It was just, you know, to put That much pressure on a couple of young kids when they're only starting their careers, um, and and thinking that um, it was the right decision. Um, Yeah, in hindsight, it's a funny thing, but at the time, it was was certainly I wouldn't have made that decision doing it that way. Um, And yeah, it it certainly um, was. was, I asked a couple of questions why it was going down that path. um, just me being a senior player on on what direction they were trying to take, and that's the direction they wanted to take. with got doing it with youth, um, and that's what they they saw the direction forward that way.
0: Well, well, uh, Paul Ruse agrees with you. We uh, interviewed him last week, and he um, labelled that decision as being ludicrous. So uh, you're in pretty good uh,
2: company there. Yeah, oh, um, you know when you're talking of you know positions of of not power, but when you're trying to create cultures and create um, um, good clubs, good strong clubs don't make decisions on a whim. Um, and I just felt for them more than anything. I, it had nothing to do with me. I was still a player, I was still a senior player to, to get out there and leave. It was just more. I, I was trying to support them when they didn't really, you know, they didn't really know their own game. They yeah. had to cement their own spots, their own form. Get that into order before they you give positions of, of power um, like that, and you know I, I still
1: reckon it hurt their careers, no doubt. Yep. Yeah, I don't think you'd be the lone ranger there. You you, talk, you mentioned Dean Bailey um, a moment ago. How close were you with him? Um, like, I suppose off field, um, away from footy, uh, and how hard was his passing um, uh, four years ago?
2: Yeah, I was. I was um, yeah, we're, we're very close. Um, you know, the communication that you've got to have between a captain and a coach um, is is quite high on most clubs, on the communication that, you know, the coach doesn't know everything that's happening in the playing group and the captain sort of and the leadership group do. Um, so, yeah, there's always questions to be asked, um, seeing how we're going. You know, do, he he certainly asks us, to you know, how do we play on the weekend? Can we change training? How are the boys feeling? Are we tired? And I think that's an ongoing conversation and great is that coach and player relationship and captain relationship and leadership relationship need to happen. And good clubs do it. And Doom was certainly one of those guys. And he was a, a bit of a guy that you could turn around to and have a conversation, you know, always constantly asking how my family was and, and vice versa. So yeah, we did have a great relationship. Um, and sad, uh, you know, the, the, the passing of him, and um, you just feel deeply um, sorrow for for Karen and the and the boys that that he's got so yeah it was a it was a tough time um and yeah it' was certainly a a coach that shouldn't should never have uh, lost his job
0: uh, brad um I won't ask the obvious question that everyone always asks you, so I'll phrase it this way: are you sick of every interview you've ever had asking you about uh your training with uh Manchester united? <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's uh yeah it's certainly one of the questions that I get asked probably hundred percent of the time um and being the world cup thats on at the moment yeah. um keeping an eye on that but it's, look it was a part of my life that happened and um one that um I'll cherish and something that i did and um yeah i the uh yeah it was a it was a part of my life that was a terrific opportunity and yeah it was it was great.
1: These things have a um have a habit of taking a, a life of their taking on a life of their own and um i think in some circles people probably said that you were just um not far off um you know kicking a winner in a champions league final um you were that good um you're also you're also uh, a pretty talented junior cricketer um and basketballer how close were you to, to committing yourself um to a sport other than footy yeah
2: I was Basically, draft day '99, um, November '99. I I I, uh, I came over to Melbourne for the draft, and I basically the week um, leading into the draft, I had a um, cricket contract to go to the Adelaide Cricket Academy and work under Rod Marsh. Um, so basically, what was going to happen? Um, I was going to get drafted, and that was my number one priority. And if, if it didn't happen in '99, I was going next day jump on the plane to Adelaide and, and go to the Cricket Academy. So. It's, it's amazing sort of how it all pans out. Um, one, if, I sort of had it in my mind, if one decision didn't go my way, I, I had another all, already to go. Um, yeah, so I was, I loved my cricket. I was a, a batter and, uh, left hander. Um, but yeah, it was, I don't regret. I certainly, AFL was certainly the game that I loved playing and, and I still wish I could.
0: Um, after your playing career, you were an assistant coach at both uh, Carlton and North. Uh, did you enjoy your time as a coach and is that something you may may continue to pursue in the future?
2: Yeah, I loved it. It was a, um, I think the closest thing you get to playing is coaching. You still feel a part of a team culture, um, team aspect, but there's no, nothing like running out on game day as a player, but the ability on game day to and feeling that you get when you win and lose is still the same feeling. Yeah. Um, on when you're sitting in the coach's box, you just can't have a physical um, influence on the game. Um, we coaches still have massive influence on game, and um, and probably too much. Now I'm out out of the coaching and I didn't say that they have too much influence on the game and the way they structure up, rather than let players play a little bit. Um, but it's it's yeah, it's something that I stepped away at the end of um, last year, and um, in the back of the, my, my mind, I never wanted to be a senior coach. Um, I had five years. Being an assistant coach at two um, great clubs, working under you know, Mick at Carlton and then Brad Scott at North was something that um, I'll cherish because I, I love the opportunity working at different clubs and seeing how they operate, um, seeing how players go about their business and, and trying to teach players um, was, was very rewarding to see that happen on game day. So down the track, I, I certainly don't see myself um, being an AFL senior coach? Would I get back into coaching at some point in life? Yeah, maybe, because I've got a passion for the AFL game, and that might be local or it might be back in AFL land. But um, I won't be going anywhere. I still love the game, and um, I'm enjoying taking my two boys and um, sitting in the outer and having a beer and a pie, um, cheering on the D's this year. It's been great fun. Um, I,
0: yeah. I, I noticed that... Um uh, you know, you played most of your career as a forward and a midfielder, but I noticed at uh, North you were the defensive uh, coach. Uh, how did that? How does that come? I've seen a few uh, assistant coaches who didn't play in a certain position sort of take the opposite line as a as a coach. Uh, how does that come about?
2: Yeah, it was, um, it was certainly an opportunity that Brad said, um, we want you to coach the back line. And um, I think modern-day coaching is a bit like... Um, Man managing structures and game plans and a process rather than teaching them the, you know, I, I don't need to teach Robbie Tarrant and Scott Thompson and Michael Ferrito, um, how to defend one-on-one because they're pretty good. Yes. Um, so, you know, with those guys and working, I had a pretty core cool, cool senior guys down there. You're looking at Damien McMillan and, um, Luke McDonald, Sam Wright. So I had a pretty core cool group of, of talented players that, that knew how to play defense. It was t- teaching them more to how to play in our structure and the way we wanted to play, um, and working with them um, as people trying to get the best out of them, and, and communicating them that way. I think coaching is all about sort of teaching and, and helping them and have, having empathy about the player themselves, and that's getting them out there and, and trying to to get the best out of them. So rather than teaching Robbie Tarrant, who probably should be an all Australian defender, at one-on-one. Very rarely would I say, what are you doing there, Robbie? What technique did you have? Because i got no idea how to defend. He would teach me. So, yeah, it's, it's certainly more about the process, the structure, um, and our style that we... And team defence is a very big part of um, the defensive systems and coaches' um, role that they need to do. So it's a bigger picture rather than an individual style on how, how do you go about it
1: greenie we've got one final question for you and uh, we've been uh, we are very grateful for uh, for your time there's been a lot of discussion about the future of footy in Tasmania uh, and the health of the state league there what do you think needs to happen to reinvigorate um, the game Uh Does there need to be a standalone team, uh, a standalone Tasmanian team in the AFL?
2: Yeah, I've been pretty passionate when uh, I saw what was sort of happening over the last couple of years that you know the state wasn't producing any any talented juniors and getting drafted, but something needs to happen. Um, And speaking to a lot of Tasmanians, and I'm down there a fair bit still because I've got family and friends and go and watch a lot of local footy, that things need to change. And it's a good thing that it's come to head. It's probably been too long in the AFL, just thought that um, we'll keep sort of coasting along. Um, but we're not doing enough down there in AFL um, funding and the AFL um, actually putting and in investing some time into it. They haven't been good enough. But I think the biggest call that they need to do is get back into it and have a Tassie Mariners team, which I came through, um, a team that's playing in a TAC Cup in under-18 system. Look at their full development programs down there. They're under-18s through to you know under-10s. Working on their coaching and structures and the, and the way that their talent pathways is, is, is the biggest area I see that they need to change is first point of call. Um, you know, statewide footy has certainly been, um, down in the standard that the, the, the guys are playing is not great standard, but I still think it's, it's viable if they, they work hard and, and, and invest. Being their own AFL team, I've been sort of, I haven't been on the on the, on the the team of they definitely need one. I think over time they deserve one. There's no doubt they deserve one, but can I see it working? Yeah, it probably worked better than Gold Coast and GWS, but it's never going to happen with the investment of TV rights and the power of the regions that Gold Coast and GWS are in. So at the end of the day, it all comes down to money and TV rights and all that. Do I think they deserve it? Yeah, they do. You know an a team um, in Tassie sounds right to me, but can I think it will happen? I don't ever think it will happen um, in the next little bit, but over time I reckon you know they should have a team.
0: Uh, Greeny, before I let you go, you mentioned you got two boys. Uh, how far off are they uh, from uh, donning the boots uh, for the Ds? Yeah,
2: I've got Oliver's uh, eight, eight and uh, my youngest boy, Wilbur, five. So um, both passionate Melbourne boys. Um, Ollie even cried last Queen's birthday, which I did too. So did um, I. In the loss. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's passionate, be man, which is great just seeing, you know, your boy, um, so, um, emotionally invested in, in, um, a team. Um, yeah, he loves the boys. I think his favourite players are Jesse Hogan and, and Jonesy, and, and still trying to tell him that dad actually played with Jonesy. He still can't, <laughs>
0: um,
2: get that through to him, but he's sort of, <laughs> He loves it it's great great thing to see a boy pretty passionate about a club that he played for. So yeah. Um he's eight and he loves his footy, so uh which is all good.
0: Great. Well good th- stuff. thank you very much for joining us uh tonight, Brad. We really appreciate it and um yeah, go D's and um yeah. Thank you very much. No
2: worries guys.
0: Thank you. All right, cheers. Well, that was uh, that was Brad uh, Green, former Melbourne captain and uh, champion of the club, and uh, yeah, thank you to Brad for for that time that he's given us. Uh, that was a great interview. Yeah, good insight. Um, you know, to to his career and sort of, you know, it's sort of disappointing that yeah, you know, from all of us as supporters, uh, you know, sort of the end of the end of the career, and the state the team was in at the time, and uh, yeah. His, his... Had a few
1: interesting things to say about that time, didn't he?
0: Yeah, um, and you know what? Artists...
1: That, ba- that bales should never have been yeah. sacked, um, and also just that comment about uh, bales being very consultative yes. on things like training, which he uh, um, uh, wasn't viewed too sort of favourably, um, you know, on the boards um, in terms of players cancelling their own sessions and yep. cancelling se- certain sessions and things like that. So. Interesting,
0: Yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, to, you know, his end of career was in that real dark period. Um, mm. And it's, yeah, <laughs> it's best that uh, we forget that and move on to, uh, you know, bigger and better things, which hopefully we're starting to, uh, <laughs> and I think we have uh, come out of that. Uh, but still a long way to go. Yep. All right. uh, So we'll move moving right along. If uh, you would like to join us on the show tonight, uh, you can give us a call zero three nine zero one six three triple six, or you can Skype us Demonland thirty one. We'll take your call. Um, So. We mentioned the new CEO, but uh, we also briefly mentioned the uh, new training uh, facility uh, story that uh, came out this week. Do you think there's any chance that we could possibly get that uh, that parcel of land on the footsteps of the MCG, basically? Uh,
1: potentially. Uh, there won't be easy because there'll definitely be opposition to yeah. it
0: mm-hmm.
1: from various quarters. Uh, any project like that um, has got local, you know, mainly local interests that are sort of protecting it on various fronts, environmental and aesthetics and parkland and heritage and trees and things like that. So there'll be all sorts of opposition to it. You can guarantee that. Uh, but you'd, you'd hope that the club um, is sort of, yeah, wise enough that it doesn't sort of go, hasn't come out full bore Without getting some sort of indication that it's um, it's a possible uh, you know it's a possibility of getting through, so I suppose we're going to wait and see.
0: So, so the plan is they want to uh, well, from what came out the other day, uh, they want to put a training oval on that uh, bit of land. Uh, If anyone, I think it's the area. If anyone went to the uh, family day this year, um, it's on that bit of land. Um, yep. which is quite a sloping land, so they obviously have to do a bit of uh, works there to sort of flatten it out. And then they want to build a club headquarters uh, behind that uh, over the um, – I think it's a tram line there. Um, um, yeah, that's uh, – No, it's train. Is that train? Oh, yeah, yeah, there is the train, but there's a yeah, the – the, the Jolly train. train. Is the, yeah,
1: that's right. But then there's a tram that goes behind
0: They want to put it over the thing, and I think it's going to be a multi-purpose type of thing with... Perhaps residential apartments. I'm sure they'll have some shops or something, and offices, obviously, and gym and all the football facilities.
1: Do you think Deanland will be moving its headquarters but, there?
0: Yeah, well, I list on the website. I've listed uh, Brunton Avenue as our address. So uh, yes, well, I, I, there you go. So
1: <laughs> we stay tuned for more details, folks.
0: Yeah. Um, um, yeah, that, um, yeah. Look, I hope. That we can get some type of facility in that MCG area, it'd be a dream. Uh, yeah, wouldn't it? Yeah, but it, look, it seems like that's the what the what the board and what the admin sort of is gun, gunning hard to do at the moment. And you know, Peter Jackson, you know, if he can pull this off, or even Purdy after that, um, that would be a coup for sure.
1: Yeah, and there's all kinds of ways to dress these things up as assets to the community, and you can open up certain parts of the facility to the public um, when the club's not using them. So, uh, and you can have you know all kinds of things based out of there. Uh, Richmond have got an indigenous. Um, you know, an Indigenous program running out of theirs. Um, I think even Nev might be involved with the program running out of there, but, um, so there's there's all sorts of ways to uh, yeah, to sort of present this and develop it and cook it up in a way that satisfies the needs of the various parties that are going to have to sign off on it along the way.
0: Well, let's hope uh, we can get that uh, done. Um, yeah, we would would definitely be exciting. Um, uh, another...
1: I, I did write in the thread, mm-hmm. that, um, I understand the people that want to protect the aesthetics of the park. I think it's great. One of the real features of the G is that it is surrounded by, like, you know, largely very nice parkland. Yeah. Um, you go to, to similar-sized stadiums around the world and they're concrete jungles. And so that's one of the really nice things about the G is when you're walking to the ground – uh, you're walking through parkland, so um, from what I've read on the thread, the plan um, it actually would involve very minimal disruption to to sort of that kind of aesthetic. So that'd be great too.
0: Well, I know that preserved. I know just in, in my own. Uh business stuff that I've been involved in over the years, whenever you're developing a site, uh, the trees and uh, how many trees you have to knock down is always a big concern for councils and obviously interest groups uh, you know, environmental groups but um, look, the the bit of land that they're looking at is fairly just uh, I mean there's trees surrounding it but it seems like there'd be minimal impact to that and there are sort of ways around that in plant replanting and and stuff like that so it would be really nice to to have a venue uh close to our home and um i think that's what you know i think what we've lacked over the last 50 years is having a home um you know the super
1: mercado had a good suggestion too that they need to build in social club facilities that overlook the train line and like a balcony where we can taunt opposition supporters <laughs> as they leave the ground. So uh, I like that idea too. Do, do,
0: does the whole social club culture even exist anymore, um, like it did in the 80s? And, it doesn't, and 70s, but I think if,
1: if you did have a facility that is literally at the ground in the car park, uh, I think it would work. Well, I think uh, there's enough people that would definitely... Um, go to the club's venue after the game, after a win, for sure.
0: What do Richmond do? I remember they used to have a nightclub, I think, in that uh, <laughs> that punt yeah. road thing. But uh, do they do that now? What <laughs> Not the nightclub <laughs> aspect of it, but... Um, uh, I think
1: St Kilda used to run the most famous nightclub back in the 80s out at Moorabbin, so...
0: Um, <laughs> and look at how they, yeah. look at how they perform during that time. I, I don't
1: know what the what the what the bar situation is at Punt Road Oval. I mean, there is there is obviously one there. But do, that, do supporters
0: do supporters go back there after a game? Uh, I, I no, no, but idea. I noticed
1: that. Have you ever noticed that sometimes their shop is open?
0: Yeah, it is on, open on their game during days. our
1: games when Richmond aren't playing. Oh, really? We're like, we playing Hawthorne. And their shops open for
0: some reason. It but but always looks busy. No, i've I've noticed. I noticed the other week when we were leaving the ground. I noticed there was a game on, the a Richmond reserves game. So maybe when their resis oh, okay. play, maybe that that, that, I yeah, possibility, I that possibility. I, I noticed there's a, a quite a nice hot dog stand. Um, if you're coming off the train from the Richmond station, walking up to the G, um, they got a <laughs> someone's opened up a hot dog stand in front of it
1: um you can get a buggy up to the ground now as well from,
0: yeah but uh, i feel a bit bad it seems like that that's there for people <laughs> who can't walk <laughs> i think i'd be yeah. very lazy if i uh decided to take uh to take one of those up to the ground <laughs> yep. in, in you know considering i'm quite mobile myself so <laughs> but I, I think that's a, a good uh a, a nice it's service a good, yep um all right so that's um that 's the plans for um for the training facility admin facility um hope hope we get something or or, or something similar in the area um, and another piece of news that uh that dropped and i haven 't heard any anything official about this yet uh, but it 's just sort of rumors circulating. Mainly, well, only on Demon because I haven't seen it uh, anywhere else at the moment. But that's about the Darwin, the possibility of uh, the Darwin game being dumped from our M- Northern Territory uh, package. That is,
1: that is more than rumour circulating, my friend. Okay. That is absolutely rolled gold, solid so, um, so, information. That so, uh,
0: so finally, Demon Land broke a story after. Um, 18 years in the business, so uh, what do you know uh, Ethan,
1: about it? Ethan would take, uh, take offence with that, being the big trade-breaker um, online, so I'd be careful what you say there.
0: Okay. Uh, has he broken anything official? I know uh, he's in the chat no, room. No, no, no.
1: This is more in jest than in okay. anything else, <laughs> although he'd probably, uh, probably reject that as well. But uh, um, you obviously haven't been paying sort of close attention to the way he promotes himself as a big trade-breaker.
0: All right, uh, yes. Uh, I don't notice everything that goes on on the site. Um, but, you need uh, to get, a,
1: get more immersed in the community.
0: Well, I do, but uh, <laughs> there's a lot of uh, moving parts to this site. I, I have to keep it up and running. We haven't had any problems. Since we've moved to the new server, things are running smoothly and uh, there's no problems there. But I'm always tinkering with stuff with the look and feel of the site. Uh, you probably notice changes all the time, uh, new, new little things added but uh you know that's that's sort of an ongoing process but uh anyway so uh, the story he did
1: just to give you an idea of the type of news that he breaks he did post in someone's uh in one thread about someone's contract status that they were prepared to sign a contract and keep playing football so he breaks news of that sort of variety if you like um Stop the presses, kind of stuff.
0: <laughs> so, so the the Dar- back to the Darwin thing. If we're if we're finished with Ethan, <laughs> so yes. the. Um- the, the story is that uh, the club has no issues with the Alice component and we very happy with uh, the Heart of the Nations thing, which, which was great because Channel 7 went full bore with that, which was great um, and it was good for the club. Um, you know, but the humidity of the Dawa match and the flow-on effects from the following week, is, is, as, as was broken in this story, uh, is uh, you know too high a price uh, to pay. Uh, and i'm not sure if you we uh when we when super Mercado and i were interviewing Roosie, i think super Mercado tried to get from Roosie, um which he would prefer i think was uh wanted i think super Mercado wanted Roosie to say ditch the darwin thing he he didn't say that uh he sort of didn't give a one way or the other which one you would uh, get rid of uh, but I, I would think if I'm looking at it, you want to get rid of that uh, the humidity of Darwin. Um, I think that's the way we should be going. Um,
1: the Alice sp- game, the club sees as a game like no other. The conditions <clears throat> are very similar to what we play in at the start of the season at the G when it's still quite pleasant um, and you can have a very sunny day for football. I think it was a little bit hot... Um, this year for the Darwin game, but that was an unusual day, um, and I think the club has their routine now for Alice set in place, and they're very comfortable in that routine. Not saying they don't have a routine for Darwin, but um, obviously the humidity makes it a completely different, um, a completely different game to the to the one in Alice, and there's also the travel factor. Um, I, I actually travelled to Darwin a fair bit. And it's it's a bit like travelling overseas. Um, you got to go via Cairns. Um, uh, often you have got to go via Cairns um, and then on to Darwin. But even direct, it feels sometimes like a bit of an international flight. So um, I understand. Yeah, well, we all understand where the club's coming from, and most supporters would have been have been urging the club to to ditch the whole NT deal for. For years now.
0: Yeah, look, I, I look, I understand the financial aspect of it. Um, I understand the community aspect of it for Alice Springs, but it does, you know, it's effectively giving up uh, two home games against interstate clubs, which um, could be seen as two wins um, if you. Posi- well, see,
1: the AFL is now prepared to give us the bye. Um, uh, after the Darwin game, but that means that the Darwin game has to be played in like now, like in these middle rounds, which upsets the concept of the Alice Springs game, which is the heart of the nation game during the Doug Nichols indigenous round. So
0: can you not there's, do you-
1: there's still a bit of wheeling and dealing to go back and forward, but um, we're at the point where the AFLs is prepared to offer up that concession.
0: Is it is it a case of uh, we we have to play both or none or can you can you do that I mean heart of the nation obviously doing it in Darwin it's not really hard is, it, is that not no. considered heart of the nation if you do it up in Darwin well, no, is that too no, it's
1: not geographically and it's not in that spiritual sense that they're looking for yeah um, you can't it doesn't work anywhere else that concept.
0: Do you think, uh, I don't know if this is just outside the box, if you have to keep two, would you even consider spending two weeks uh, in the NT and playing one game after the other? Or is that too much of a... Um,
1: hmm. <laughs> well, then you've got the issue of where's the club training while it's away. And you don't have the... Uh, you know, not forgetting the ground, but you don't have the other facilities that you and yes. resources that you do when you're at your home base. So, I think that'd be the issue, wouldn't
0: it? Yeah, yeah. Just no. Stay on,
1: stay on the road for for two weeks.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely. Look, I, look for me. Uh, if financials weren't uh, an issue, and it's, we're getting to the well, I don't know if we even are getting to the point because considering we're ditching the pokies, uh, if we do have to build a facility uh obviously we'd get a bit of government assistance with with that i would hope so um if we can come to some deal with that uh but money could still be a bit of an issue um
1: yep uh, it's unresolved at uh, the yeah, moment
0: it is uh but i have no problem with ditching uh one of them and if we have to choose then darwin's the one to go uh even if we do get the buy after it um Hmm. I just want to see my team play footy live. (laughs) So I would love to have those two games.
1: Someone else suggested you could play two games in Alice, but then by having such a focus on the heart of the nation one, you're then relegating the second one to sort of, uh, you know, a secondary slot and that plays it down, um, you know, before you even sort of begin.
0: Well, look, from just reading stuff online, I posted that story onto uh, Facebook and to Twitter, and most people uh, are in favour of dumping the Darwin game. So if the people are speaking, they've spoken, and I think the Darwin one, from a supporters' perspective, if we have to have one, the nation probably wins out. All right. Uh, So uh, moving on... uh, Oli Wines is off the market. Uh, not that I ever thought uh, we'd... There's, look, I, there was no way we would be able to, you know, if he was uh, shopping himself around, which apparently he hadn't even looked, uh, according to his management, hadn't even looked at any other offers. Um, but there was... I, I, we said this a few weeks ago. There was nothing I think we could offer in terms of uh, trade or draft picks. So I... I, I the, and we I, don't
1: really need him. Look, he's a great player. We, we could no have, doubt have about we could that, but... forget
0: the fact that we could have had him already. Um... I'm just
1: so sick of you know. You'll get have Pickett fence ringing in in a minute <laughs> because you can't say Ollie Wines without him having a Jimmy Tumpus <laughs> fit. So we need to reopen. Uh, we need to reopen the Ollie Wines Lounge, <laughs> which was set up a few years ago, where people can go and. Uh, Invent. Can can go and vent basically. So, yeah.
0: Well, I think someone when, sh-
1: someone needs to bump that uh, bump that thread.
0: Well, when that when this story broke that he had resigned, um, I think I said well, I think we can close this thread for four four years now because uh, yeah,
1: the he, threads will keep on coming.
0: And speaking of Ollie Wines, he did the, the famous thing that every club is do does to us these days, and some other clubs do it to each other. He's come out today and said, Melbourne have the best midfield in the competition and uh, they want to take that mantle off us. But I, I love how opposition players, coaches, they love to talk us up before they play us. Um, I actually just saw that up,
1: interview because I think it, he was on um, 360. Uh, so they just interviewed him and, uh, yeah, it's funny what becomes a headline. I mean, that was just him answering they typically inane questions that are – this is just the cycle of news, you know. Um, you've got to do your interviews and somebody's then got to rewrite them with a headline on them. So you've got to pick something out of it.
0: That's true. Uh, if if you would like to join us, zero three nine zero one six three triple six or Demonland31 on the Skype, we'll take your call. Love hearing from fellow Demonlanders. Uh, injury list, uh, before that, before we go to the injury list, uh, another injury, well, it's not another one, uh, uh, poor Corey Maynard, uh, season ending hip surgery. Um, that's the second year in a row he's had, uh, he's been out, Mm. you know, with injuries. So got a feel for the guy. Um, you know, this was the year to sort of, you know, try and break into the team and unfortunately injuries, um kept him out of that so yeah um, yeah. rotten luck
1: absolutely
0: absolutely rotten luck Um, uh, in other injury news uh, look still fairly fairly well with the exception of uh, Lever being out for the uh, season now Um, sort of got pretty much a full list (coughs) excuse me full list available Uh, Oscar McDonald has been cleared of the uh, concussion uh, that he got um, in the Queen's birthday game and uh both Aaron Vanderberg and Pat McKenna uh graced the training track um just the other day so uh good to see them back um yeah. it'll still be a, a number of weeks before either of them um, will be fingers uh,
1: fingers crossed for for Vanders, yeah,
0: well, we've we've said this on this show that it's uh, last roll of the dice uh, with him, in, not in terms of ability, but in terms of injuries. Because you'd, you'd think if he cops another uh, injury, that's, that that's, that that's mm. it for him. I um, always love love Vanders uh, playing. I, I was a fan, uh, so hopefully, you can get him his fitness back up, and uh, you know, playing in the resies and you know, making a tilt. Uh, you know, as we make our tilt towards the finals. Um speaking of uh finals uh if we want a good chance of making it this is the perfect opportunity it's a it's one of those famous 8 point games this week um you know a, a win you know keeps us solid, solidly in that uh top 4 hunt uh puts port uh, a bit behind us but a loss brings us back to the the pack um so it, look,
1: and all those teams below us have all got relatively easy games on the weekend so
0: a lot um, of those teams have easy draws going into the end of the uh, season so um and we don't so every game is a must win game for us uh we've got a bit of an easier patch sort of coming up but after that yeah. um it's it's tough one tough game after the next but I've always said if you if you're going to if you want to make finals, you want to beat teams in finals. You got to beat these teams, so you've got to take it. Yeah, and there's everything. always
1: upsets along the way, so we just got to hope that we're not the victims of one of those upsets. Yeah. But you know, your St Kildas and your Carltons and your Brisbans, they'll knock off the odd team here or there, and the, a long way to go yet.
0: It is um, uh, changes for this week. Um, uh, you think we'll make any changes uh i don't think we've don't have any force changes that uh what do you this say? is where we
1: need this is where we need to play simon says perhaps <laughs> um and we all you know say what we think simon says at the selection table uh it's hard to know isn't
0: it yeah I'd i
1: think um so, so, you go
0: no well uh, do we we uh, we didn't get to talk about the, the Queen's birthday game. And as I said last week, I think we'll just forget about that. Uh, yeah. We, we had a couple of little uh, few players just not performing, but I don't know. Yep. Uh, look, it's, it's hard to say whether, you know, uh, do they drop? Yeah. I felt Pedersen didn't have a great game. This was a game to sort of stamp himself. Does he stay in? Do we go uh, yeah. back to the yeah. Wiedemann table? Do we, you know,
1: yeah, I, I, what do we do? I, I think Pedersen uh, should go out, and one of Weedman and Smith come in. Uh, I'm tempted to go with the Weed, but you know Smith was going okay, um, so uh, yeah, I think uh, I think that's likely uh, one of one of those two coming in for Peders, and then you got the possibility of Tyson coming back, and. Chetta, uh, sorry, um, Jeffy Garlett is another potential in. Um, and then you have the possibilities of you know Petty and Sam Frost coming into the back line. So, uh, who knows what good he's going to do?
0: Um, that one of the one of the did he
1: mention Petty in his in his press conference?
0: Um, he did have a presser the other day. I just, I, I can't remember whether he mentioned him. Well, we know that Petty was uh, named in the extended bench for the Queen's birthday. He didn't, didn't get the gig and uh, Joel Smith got the gig. Um, yeah. I was happy with Joel Smith's, uh, game. Uh, yeah. I felt a bit sorry for him towards the end when he had to play on, uh, uh that, uh, man mountain, uh, Cox, uh, a bit of a, bit of a funny match up but uh what we couldn't really do anything about that at the time. Um, there was a thread uh that I was going to bring up last week uh but we after the Rosie interview we didn't have anyone available to uh discuss with me um but Petraka. there was a thread about Petraka that he's in a bit of a rut. What would you what would you do with uh with Petraka? We all know he's he's a very talented guy. And I just don't he probably hasn't been performing and he probably agrees to the level that he'd want to. Would you would would you we even consider uh dropping someone with talent like that to the mm, res? nope, no what? way. No It's not
1: like he's been terrible. No, no, he's, he's just, just not getting just hasn't been brilliant. That's right. So and fair cop. Um, you know, he's only played uh well what, it's fifty now or something, yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Um So, no,
0: no. No, no. No, I think I'd I'd agree with that. He
1: was in really good form at the start of the year. It's tapered off after the dog bite. Um, But that happens with young kids.
0: It does. Um, uh, Just going by reading stuff on the boards, and particularly in the thread about the changes, um, every week we get people, and it's always half and half, uh, people... About Vince and uh, Lewis, whether you can have both of them in the same team.
1: Yeah, uh, for the moment, yep, yep,
0: yep, yep. Um, don't, have any,
1: don't have any qualms with that.
0: No, no. Um, well, if there's nothing else, do, any anything else, um, anything else on the boards uh, that
1: uh... one. There is one slight matter of Demon Land forum housekeeping. <laughs> yes. Don't report posts with grammar suggestions, such as "this post needs a question mark at the end of it," um, because that's not what the reporting system's for.
0: <laughs> I don't recall seeing any of those. Did I miss? Did I miss something? <laughs>
1: It was actually a thread that you've created that was reported. So it was one of your posts. Oh, okay. you <laughs> I someone report- that could be penalized, Someone yes.
0: reported me for bad Someone drama.
1: reported you, yes. <laughs> that's also not a wise thing to do no, to I'm, the administrators.
0: I, I don't uh, rule with an iron fist like that. Um,
1: do you want your grammar questioned?
0: Well, uh, I, I'd be the first one to admit that my grammar at times isn't great, Um uh spelling sometimes gets me but i i always blame bad spelling on on auto-correct. autocorrect that's the my, that's my default these days uh so that's an easy out for anyone um yeah, well, uh, the report feature is, uh, is, if we're talking housekeeping of Demonland at the moment, uh, p- please use the report feature if you do see something you don't like rather than PMing uh, the the admin. Uh, first of all, when you do report a thing, we we get a link to the actual thread you're talking about. We've had a number of times where people have personally messaged us uh mentioning a post, but not telling us where it is, so it's almost impossible uh to find so yeah uh, please uh use the report feature um, <laughs> any other uh, housekeeping uh no. you want you wanna bring up? <laughs>
1: No,
0: no, that ought to cover it. <laughs> All right, so uh, we'll be back uh, next week. I will, uh, well, we, I've announced it on the site, but next week we'll be interviewing uh, Aaron Davey uh, exclusively on the Land podcast. Very excited about that because um, I, I loved watching Aaron Davey play. Um, yeah, me too. Do, do you remember, like, when he came into, when he f- came onto the scene, just how explosive he was. He was chasing you know, guys, down. I'd never seen anything like it. Um, you know, it was running from. You know, his defensive pressure was just amazing all over the gra- ground. Uh, you know, he was
1: he was he was really exciting for you know the vast majority of his career. And he had silky skills, and he could do brilliant things. And as you say, he completely changed the game, brought in this element of uh, of defensive pressure that hadn't. Um, uh, we hadn't seen before but uh you know kicked some silky absolutely silky goals along the way and did some beautiful stuff so I can't wait to talk to him. Yeah also like- uh, one of my one of my heroes along the journey so Yeah so so uh, very so exciting.
0: Do yourself a favor, you've probably seen all the highlights of his but go on to YouTube and just watch some there's 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 two things I love. There's one where he chases down uh uh, Hawthorne player, I think it was Chance Bateman, uh, just came out of nowhere and uh, tackled him. And not only did he tackle him, but he dis- the ball was dispossessed and he picked it up with silky skills, kicked it on his left foot and hit a target. And that was sensational. And there's also somewhere online, there's uh, on YouTube, a brilliant uh, goal that he kicked. Um, uh, against just, Geelong? Yeah, I can't remember who it was against, but it was just fantastic um so do yourself a favor is that the
1: one where he's tucked up in the members pocket yeah i think so
0: it's Th- in
1: the wet and he goes back and forward and he's dodging and weaving and then he's got nowhere left to go and he just kicks a goal and it goes right through yep. from the boundary lines. it's beautiful. There's that
0: one there's also i think one against Frio as well um that's that's sensational so, yeah, that's uh, something to look forward to next week, Aaron Davey, on the Demon Land podcast. So, um, well, I guess uh, with that, uh, we'll play... Uh, oh, actually, gosh, one oh, bit oh. of
1: breaking news. Oh, yes.
0: oh, we can uh, turn the music Apparently,
1: for that. Uh, the state opposition leader, who is Matthew Guy, today said that we Melbourne, you, you're talking about, had yep. more chance of winning a premiership than getting our project up.
0: Well, if we... Win a premiership, then I'm happy not to get the project up. So, uh,
1: having said that, he's not in power at the moment, and uh, if news poll is to be, be believed, he won't be in power at the at the next state election either. So, perhaps his uh, perhaps his opinion doesn't matter here.
0: Do we know who he supports? Uh,
1: it's he's definitely not
0: Melbourne. <laughs> well, you would think so <laughs> after a comment like that. Definitely
1: well, not Melbourne. Mm.
0: Well, I'll, I'll, as I said, I'll take the premiership. So uh, if anyone's handing yeah. in premierships, uh, I'll take one of those. Um, well, um, thank you, great Viney, uh, for joining me uh, this week. Uh, thank you to Brad Green. That was a great interview. Love, love Brad. Uh, great footballer. And um, uh, if you... Uh, If you want to follow Demonland, you can go to our website, demonland.com. You can follow us on Facebook, look up Demonland. Follow us on Twitter, at Demonland. Follow us on Instagram, at Demonland31. On Demonland, you can listen to all the interviews that uh, we've done over the journey. A couple of rippers. You've got to listen to the um, Paul Ruse interview. If you haven't already, do yourself a favor chase that one up. Uh, You can listen to it on SoundCloud or just um, uh, subscribe to us on iTunes or on um, YouTube. Um, My name is Andy. Go Demons.